0: There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, 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 R A M. Hey, 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 R A M. Hey, 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 R A M. Hey, 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 R A M. Hey, R A M. Hey, 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 R A M. Hey, hey, R A M. Hey, hey, Hey Nick can't ram it. Fisher can't ram it. Joe can't ram it. Damn it! We got to get your freestyle going eventually. Wood wheels. Kind of made a granite. That's <laughs> gonna be like. That's gonna be the best episode ever. <laughs> Everybody will tune in for that one. <laughs> Ice on my neck. Chick is Spanish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, practice. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, come on, I, I, before we get into football By the way, people need to know, we have had technical issues We have had multiple podcasts So if Myson and I sound tired and angry, there's a reason um, Speaking yeah. of spitting hot trash what? I, I, I'm not trying to get at the kids I, I get it, I'm getting old I heard for the first time today the new this new album from Extentacion Have you heard his new album? I don't even know who that is. I've never heard that name before. <laughs> Good. I'm sorry. You know what? Let's skip it. I don't need. To, I don't want to put that on you. I'm not taking responsibility for that. Name before. <laughs> that is the uh, first time I have ever heard that. Who is, we'll, his, I'll t- who I'll is t- I'll this? I'll talk with you offline. You <laughs> oh, well, I don't know how to describe this. No, I'm just going to have to show you. Let's do this. Let's bookmark this part of the podcast where Myson doesn't know who he is, and then next week we can bring it up. And then you can be like, man, what the hell is wrong with these kids? And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, and then we'll be fine. No, what I'm going to come on here and say is what the hell is wrong with Joe? Why would you have me go listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing listening to do the it? kids? I don't no, know, no, man. no. I, I hear enough bad stuff. Remind you, I'm coaching 9- and 10-year-olds in football. I hear all kind of crap. I watch them dance to all, always dancing. <laughs> I mean, like, you gotta get, hey, get the, you gotta have the dances, man. <laughs> and <you> pay attention. <laughs> I'm losing my voice now from yelling. Pay attention all night. Practice tonight was fun. <laughs> we got the competition You Maybe the Rams right? need, you on, the Rams need the you on staff during training camp. Pay attention.
1: Maybe, eat lunch. You
0: know, teach them how to. rub not forget eat lunch. at eat Same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just made some bomb tea. That that's something I've right never, that's a sentence I've never heard before. What constitutes bomb tea? <laughs> when you get the perfect mixture. See, I don't buy tea bag tea, I buy loose leaf tea. Yeah, I'm fancy. But <laughs> it's really good and it's good for you. It's um, Tea bag tea is actually not so good for you. It's bad for your teeth, a lot of preservatives, stuff like that. But loose leaf tea. It's all natural, like it's real fruit, real flowers, real green grass, real all that stuff, you know, so it's actually good for you, and they have different kinds of stuff, good for your immune system and all that. I like to buy teas that I can mix and match flavors to come up with crazy good flavors, and I just mixed a pomegranate cranberry and a berry kiwi colada. And what the hell are we even shivered. talking about? What do these words mean? What does a colada? These words mean. These words just know that it touches your soul when you drink it. It is makes it? you feel better. <laughs> it makes me feel better about myself, about soul soul my life. life. <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm loose. kiwi like. colada. It's good stuff. Huh. Man. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah, no, you got, you got, you got me. scrum. I got nothing. I have absolutely nothing to contribute here. Ex-Tentacion. There you go. That's what I get. <laughs> I Teenage say, rappers. Man, I'll, I, mail you, I'll mail you some, and then you keep that Kentacion <laughs> cat to yourself. <laughs> Don't even say that this way. got to deal. <laughs> oh, yep. man. Oh, yeah. 53-man that roster, Mike. 53-man roster. You know, like Joe said, we've talked about it a couple of times, but it's fresh to you all. So we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty smooth on this. I feel like we're gonna be like pros right now. I'm gonna man give it roster. a full effort. <laughs> That's all we can do, right? <laughs> so our 53 man roster, we are officially down to the guys who are expected to play uh, at least the 46. Probably still gonna see some more moves, uh, especially the. Crazy as it's been on the back end of the roster, uh, nothing has been set in stone. Have we had a day where everyone stayed the same? Have we had any roster moves today? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot of uh, you're in, no, you're out, no, you're back in, um, going on the back end of the roster. But we pretty much settled in on who we know, we know who our top two units are going to be. Um, I mentioned before, I'm, the thing that's most interesting to me is the um, the fact of, Leslie talks about how much the receivers are liked and how they didn't want to lose any. And then he also mentioned that they want to bring Mike Thomas back from his suspension. So at some point during this season, we're going to have seven receivers on this roster. Um, but Sean McVay has been t- talked about so much this off season as the tight end guru. You know, he's the guy who wants a lot of tight ends on his roster. He he has to have three at uh, three tight ends on the field on certain packages and, even even need mentioned after he talked about the receivers how uh, no one ran, ran more three tight end packages than Sean McVay. And they make the trade for Derek Carey after uh, to, to Mary Camdenway gets hurt and all this stuff. But you can't have them all on the field at the same time. You can't have six receivers on the field. You can't have three three tight ends on the field all at the same time. Well, hold and on. The other may, maybe, maybe McVay's got something. Maybe he's got this even... new six wide <laughs> <line> receiver wide. <laughs> There's no, there's no real alignment on the field. There's just the dude, field Andrew Whitworth, you don't know who's going You don't know who's going downfield. Everyone, everyone, on the field ball. It's like it's like a game of pickup. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Actually, that sounds like something the Patriots would think of doing. You know, and make it work for a ninety-yard touchdown. <laughs> but you know, the the unofficial depth chart shows uh, eleven personnel as opposed to 12, which I believe it was 12 with the first unofficial depth chart at the beginning of Kemp. Now we're looking at 11. Uh, Tavon Austin is a starter. Um, Robert Woods is a starter. Sammy Watkins and then Tyler Higbee. What do you think of that? I feel like that is very – I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know if it is. A lot of times you've got starters that don't reflect the totality of work, right, somebody that will come in and start <coughs> and get five plays, one target – and then whoever's not starting will get, you know, 25, 30 plays and seven targets. Um, True. So, I don't know. I don't – and, and we, t- we mentioned the idea of the 53-man. Before we had even gotten the 53-man, we already had a trade. Rams traded for Derek Carrier from Washington. Uh, let me go ahead and bring up that quote that I've now read multiple times in our forgotten podcast. The podcast that are locked away in the bulk. Joe, I know I you should do a better job job The job. lost tapes. <laughs> I know, right? Do a better job at your job. I um, <laughs> McVay got asked if there was a chance Carrier will play this week. He said, quote, he's going to play. He's going to be ready to go. He'll be active, he'll play, and he'll see snaps for sure, end quote. So, you know, he may not be starting, and I don't I don't know what role Derek Carrier is going to, you know, enjoy in week one, but clearly it's going to be one of activity. Um how that how you know the rotation at tight end wide receiver and the bar it sets now granted, you know, game plans are different. We may have a game plan for the targets in week one that's completely different in week two when we play Washington in the McVay. Bowl. Uh but but how we set that I don't really know. I don't know what we're getting on the offense. The other thing, and we've mentioned a couple times, is that we get our first injury report this week. So as much as we're talking about the 53-man roster being a function of, A, starters at the top, and, B, the bottom of the roster, that roster term of these guys that are coming in and out and kind of jumping from the practice squad to the active roster, you're going to have probably a couple guys who may not be able to play on Sunday in week one that we assumed were going to be starters in the starting 11. Uh, So that will be something interesting to track, too. Joe, you, know, you know me. I like to keep you on your toes, you know. So even though we've gone through this all a couple of times, a new question just popped in my head. It's the tea, I'm telling you. It's got my juices flowing. I'm back up and ready to go now. <laughs> so, it sounds like you really believe Sean McVay when he says there's a role for Derek Carrier. He's gonna play. He's ready to roll. Is that a fair assessment? I feel like he's believe him. I feel like he's an honest guy. I feel I don't I don't know that he's the kind of guy that wants to add another layer of job responsibility with the kind of media deception that Les Snead as a general manager is so comfortable with and that head coach Jeff Fisher was one of the masters of. I don't know that Sean McVay is there yet. I think it's almost kind of a naive sensibility of just saying, screw it, what do I have to lose? I'm just going to tell the truth. It doesn't have anything to do with the football. So let me ask you this. Why is it that you have a hard time believing with him when he says, Tavon Austin has a legitimate, serious role moving forward. I I, I don't know that I have a hard time believing that. Uh, Yeah, I think think it may be a different role than than what fans expect. But I'd also say this. You have to go back and look at the the quotes that he had before trading for Sammy Watkins and what he said since. That changes the calculus too, right? Yes. This is true. The quote has changed significantly. Before Sammy Watkins, it was you know we want to get him downfield, we want to really push him. Deshaun you know, Jackson, he said him, he said himself, Deshaun Jackson, he made a comparison of it himself. That out multiple. All of that, you know. And then after uh, Sammy Watkins, it was you know there's a lot of things we can do with him. We can get him downfield. We can get him intermediate. We can get him on the end around. He threw when he threw end around in there. I said, oh crap. Where he's gonna do some more <laughs> weapon <West Bend> doors? <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna ah, get the speed out sort of the quick outs and all that crap, the two yard out routes. But uh, <laughs> it, it definitely feels like there's gonna be a mixture of some of the stuff that he Don't get me wrong, I appreciated the end arounds with Tavon because those were some of his best plays over the last couple of years. A lot of actually. them, yeah. A lot of the biggest plays the Rams had were from end arounds from Tavon Austin, believe it or not. So right. it was like, okay, cool. But at some point I do kinda of wanna see this receiver be a receiver. <laughs> so either he's gonna be a receiver or throw him in the backfield. Make your make your choice. You know, you can still use him in multiple ways, but if he's gonna be if his best ways are gonna be in a rounds, throw him in the backfield. So I, 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 too do think that uh Sean McVay isn't one to kinda of BS the, the media. In, in fact sometimes he's too honest. he has got him in trouble a couple of times so far. <laughs> that might be the problem too. Yeah. I I think the the, the, the problem he's going to run into first isn't trying to be too smart and slick with the media. It's going to be where he gets too comfortable just telling the truth and maybe tells a little bit too much truth, and either one of the other coaches or somebody from the front office or somebody on the team is going to say, hey, coach, you know, sometimes the best truth is the truth that you don't say. You can go ahead and keep that to yourself and deal with some stuff in the locker room behind closed doors, and you don't necessarily have to answer every question as forthrightly as i think he has been to this point but i would say this he's the youngest head coach in nfl history it's a learning process this right true hey maybe this is just a new way you know he's bringing in that new way of do, how to do things everyone changes it at some point you know you for example you have a sean mcvay type of honesty where he's politically correct but he's still open and honest and then you have Bruce Arians that I don't give a damn. I'm going to say what I want to say. out I have two I have two wide receivers on my whole roster. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He'll tell That's you just rude. I, yeah, you know, he's not doing a good, good enough job. I don't like what I see. If he don't get it right, I'm going to cut him. Like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't hide it at all. There is no hiding it with him. So maybe Sean, maybe Sean McVay is that mixture between Bruce Arians and then uh, uh Jeff Fisher where you know, he's not going to be as blunt and open, but then he's also not going to try to hide it and sugarcoat it too much either. He's got a balance. We'll see. Let's see if he can keep it up. But with that being said, taking what he, taking what he says and believing what he says, um, I have to believe that we're going to see Derek Carrier a lot and we're going to see <laughs> Javon Austin a lot. Furthermore, I have to believe him what he says, that um, the guys that he kept and the guys that wasn't kept was hard decisions. Guys like Corey Harkey getting cut, who his exact words was if we don't trade for Derek Carrier Corey Harkey is on this team you know so when you hear him say things like that you kind of gotta believe him because of what he how honest he has been to this point um, he talked about the the uh, Cody Wickmans and mentioned why Andrew Donnell was kept over Cody Wickman even though, even though Donnell hasn't been um, available he talks about the way that he looked right before getting hurt, you know, and uh, the, the, the the what he put on tape, just kind of felt like he was a better fit. And I feel like that is his focus: is guys that's the right fit for the scheme. Now, when you when you look at the roster and you think about fits, you look. I'll use an example: uh, a surprise cut for myself and a lot of people, but after. You know, thinking about it and discussions is not as much of a surprise. But a surprise cup, Michael Jordan. You know, he played so well and all that. But, the uh, you know, you look at the big picture, Wade Phillips likes to run a lot of press men, you know. Um, that's what he likes to do. Mike is a good corner. It's not like he's a bad corner, but he's best at off coverage and he's best at as well as zone. You know, if he if he's going to be a man, it's better if he's off. And when he's his zone. he's really good as well uh press isn't his forte. Not that he's bad at it, but there's guys better at it on the roster. And then you look at the tight end position. Corey Harkey gets cut in favor of Johnny Mutt <laughs> I can't I still can't say that with a straight face. This isn't that sad. Like, <laughs> it's still funny to me. Even even though Mutt is already gone, it's like it was like, wow, that really happened. You know, uh not that Corey Harkey's some all star, but it's just you didn't see that coming at all. Um but again it goes back to that fit thing. Now, the old saying is, you know, when you're putting your roster together, you want to, you know, build your playbook around the players, you know, instead of forcing the players around. But when you're not necessarily forcing the players around because the players you're keeping um, are molded into your playbook, you know, they're the right ones for them, you're not necessarily building your playbook around them, but aren't you doing the same thing? So isn't that the same recipe to success, The, the way that they're putting this roster together? Perhaps. Oh, I mean, overall, the process is more or less the same outside of the difference of 90 to 53 versus 90 to 75, 75 to 53. You know, the one, the one that I think was always the most interesting to me was uh, Case Keenum. I wrote about it when he got named the start over Nick Foles two years ago, was that Case Keenum first came to the Rams uh, after Sam Bradford went down back in 2014. Let's see what did, 2015. Yep. Didn't make the team, Right. 2014, didn't make the team. They went with Austin Davis, Sean Hill. Case Keenum leaves, goes back to Houston. The next offseason, the Rams trade a seventh-round pick to get him back. Now, think about this. Derrick Carrier's coming in as a tight end that's going to get snaps, seventh-round pick. (laughs) So they trade a seventh-round pick to Case Keenum. There's no sense that he's challenging Nick Foles whatsoever for the starting job. You get to the end of the season. Now Case Keenum's your starter over Sean Mannion, a third-round pick who you have. You're still not playing him. You go into the next season, you trade up for the number one overall pick. you got a number one overall pick rookie. you got a third-round pick who's now getting you know quite a bit of experience with this team, experience that Case Keenum didn't have, and that's why he got cut. And your week one starter last year is Case Keenum. That's just – it's one of those things where I, it's just almost like Johnny Munt, except he's the starter at the most important position. There's no logic <laughs> – to the way that they manage that roster spot with Case Keenum, and I think that's part of the reason you got what you got. I think the, be- the-, the benefit is there's-, there's some similarities in roster management for what we're seeing so far, but it's at the very, very back end of the roster in the practice squad. And this is year one. If Sean McVay and, and-, and Les need if he's still the general manager, are doing these kind of things near the middle or the top of the roster in preseason, that's where it's time to worry. But if, if we're in year three and the top of our roster solidified, and they're making these kind of active moves throughout the preseason in, in, into now the regular season. Yeah, we can worry then, but for now, I'm not that worried about it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Les need, because theoretically, this this has to be the best roster that he's put together to date, doesn't it? I mean, if well, not 2004 games, is Les is probably the. Yeah. Probably needs to be, but 2014. If you go back and look at that roster, that was a very good roster. Oh, the, yeah. the issue was quarterback, it was. and it was it was similar to the drop off that we've got in left tackle this year. We've talked on the podcast multiple times about the prospect of Andrew Whitworth losing missing time. How are you going to run this team? If I don't, I don't know. I, who did they have as the backup? Do, it, do you have the depth chart up? Do I need to pull it up? Nope, but I'm pulling it up as we speak. As am I? Because so, I, I don't, I don't know the answer. Which position are we looking at? left tackle. They've got nobody. <laughs> <laughs> They've got nobody Very back on left. Very similar to today. <laughs> <laughs> so the cliff's even bigger than I thought. I thought we would at least play somebody. Apparently if Wentworth misses time, we're just going to have a four-man offensive line. That, that's the <laughs> issue that we had at quarterback back in 2014 was Sam Bradford was coming off an ACL injury. For whatever reason, they didn't invest seriously uh, in a backup. And you had Sean Hill and Austin Davis, and so when Sam Bradford injured his knee again, you were four, all the all the talent at quarterback had already been scooped up off the market at that point, and there was nothing you could do except roll in with Austin Davis, and Case Keenum, Sean Hill, and make the best of it. The roster itself was bad. Remember, 2014 was the Octet of Pain too. You had that eight game stretch against teams that had just come out of the playoffs, and so the Rams had a <laughs> difficult schedule. They don't that have that hell. this year. <laughs> It was i mean that's we had some tough schedules and playing in the NFC West is never going to be a benefit as long as you got the Seahawks and Cardinals as two of the better teams in the conference the good thing is it's year here, one for McVay there's go ahead here, no real quick one interesting yep. uh stat about that roster um there was a lot of really good players there was you know pro bowl caliber players things like that but according to just the breakdown from psf going through that gauntlet they only had one high-quality starter, and that was Jake Long. Yeah, just let that simmer. <laughs> that's what they were playing with. And it, think about how long it took them to get to the the need to to bring in offensive linemen. And so I think that's, that's big a right. criticism, and as opposed to what they did at running back, we had five running backs in four years that we drafted. Uh, but let's not dwell on the past, Myson. We have a future in front of us, a bright future. And it starts on Sunday sure. against the Indianapolis Colts, a team that is heavily depleted by injury. No Andrew Luck at quarterback. No Ryan uh, – who are they missing? Ryan Kelly at center. And then uh, no Vontae Davis at quarterback. This is a team that's hurting in much, much more serious ways than the Rams are. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Rams come into this game as, you know, um, if you're, you're going to look at the media – are you gonna look at someone that's you know not the biggest Rams fan or whatever it may be? The Rams are gonna be in position in those eyes as kind of the catch twenty two. If they win, oh, they only won because of how wounded the Colts are. If they lose, oh my yep. gosh, look how sucky this team is. Yeah. You know? This team is terrible, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. But you know, if you're uh, any, if you're a Rams fan, a Rams coach, a Rams front office person, a Rams player. <laughs> I think that you would probably prefer to hear, oh, they only won because that you know they were wounded, than oh my God, look at they look who they just lost to, <laughs> you know the the Colts are gonna be without their two top players, and then you throw Ryan Kelly in there, and now you're talking about arguably three of their top five or six players on the roster. That's you can't lose that game. You're not allowed to you can't. like that. it. it, it it's, it's just being. Everything has been created for you to win. Sean McVay couldn't have asked for a better situation. I'll take that back. He can ask for a better situation. That situation would be having Aaron Donald to play. (laughs) You know, but (laughs) as far as what he has, he can't ask for a better situation to come into his first game game ever that he's going to coach in the National Football League. The Rams, they they don't have an out in this. You know, a win is mandatory. They have to win one of the thing i think that's interesting is if you look at the schedule i think we mentioned this last week but uh, the ESPN NFL preview dropped today alvin Gonzalez covered the uh, uh, the section that we got for the rams uh, you look at their fpi statistic which is just kind of the odds for each team to win the game the rams are only favored in two games this year week 17 against the 49ers at home and week 1 against the indianapolis colts so if it, just going off fpi just going off that one metric after this game, we're going to be underdogs for the next 14 games. So you get, the, yeah. I said it wasn't. When I said it's not a must win because this isn't a must win year, and people immediately tweeted back, "No, this is a must win, man. We got to win this game." And it, it, it's it's almost like a. It's not a must win, but it is a must not lose. You you can't lose <laughs> this game. It would be. I don't, I don't know. It would be one of those things where it would suck all the wind out of the sails. The, the whole McVay as a new head coach, Wade Phillips taking over the defense, new culture in the building, all of that. If you, it, there's, there's no way to blame Jeff Fisher for week one. If the Rams lose this game, it's going to be a uh, – I think it's going to be a swift kick in the pants and we've got a dose of reality that we're, that maybe we're not ready to face. But let's hope we don't have to face it. Let's hope Rams start off 1-0 and get the season off on the right foot. That would be nice, yep. But you know, never know. You never know. Nothing's set in stone in the NFL. That's the beautiful. Thing Let me ask about it. you this. The we, talk, we talked, is it is talked about uh, both ways. <laughs> I was going to say we talked about the you know tight ends and offensive strategy and things like that. Who who's one player that you want to see involved, like forced to be involved throughout the game, first quarter early on, like in the first two drives? You want to see this person get involved. And then into the second half, deep into the game, you want to make sure this person doesn't get forgotten about. Who's one guy that you want to see involved? Uh, I can give you two. <laughs> uh, both yeah. on defense, actually. Um, Sam said he because I'm like, what the hell did we spend this draft pick on this kid for? <laughs> but, uh, I, I still feel it was a high draft pick. And like I said six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I'm going to keep saying that until it proves me wrong. <laughs> um, show yeah. me that this wasn't a wasted pick. Um so yeah, I wanna see him get in there. What what are you about? You know, you missed so much of the uh preseason and and uh you really haven't made any noise at all coming out of camp and even before you got hurt, so what's up? And then also the other one is the exact opposite. I'm really high on this kid and that's Juan Price. I wanna see him get in there and get some snaps. Mm-hmm. Get out we'll get in there, let him in there and rush the quarterback, throw him under a third down and let him. uh let's see what he can do. You know, you're missing one pick kid, throw the other pick kid in there and let you know, let him wreck havoc. You know, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely hoping that um, there could be a scenario where we get to see those guys in there, that Wade Phillips does like to utilize a heavy rotation to allow those guys to get in there. Uh, that would be, that'd be really nice for me. What do you got? I'm on offense. I don't, this is in- interesting because we didn't, you know, pre-prod this. This isn't one of those things where, you know, like the Skip Bayless shows where we make sure we argue and disagree with each other on everything. I was thinking on the offensive side completely. Uh, I'll give you two. One is Gerald Everett. I love his game. He's a wiggle tight end. He's got all the shakes that Tavon's got none of. And he's just the kind of guy that all you got to do is get him the ball. You can get it on some easy easy ISO routes and just get him the ball, and he'll create Yak by himself because he got moves. So yeah, that's a dude that I, and, and especially because we know McVay's system, to whatever degree Derek Carrier is going to play, I'm kind of thinking that he gets snaps away from Tyler Higby, or we maybe we get crazy and do some three tight end stuff. But I think for the most part, what Carrier is looking at is biting into perhaps Higby's time and not Everett's. And so as Everett, I want to see more uh, activity in the passing game. Mm-hmm. We didn't see much of that at all from Higby last year. And so to the, you know, degree that uh, we need to get tight ends involved in the passing game for McVay, I think Everett's going to be the primary point of contact, and I want to see that throughout the game uh, as a a main point of emphasis. And the other one is going to be the best wide receiver that we've had since Torrey Holt, Sammy Watkins. We didn't get to see a ton of him in the preseason, but he was a late addition. You don't don't need to force your starters a ton in the preseason, even new guys like that. Uh, But this is week one. And, you know, with the opportunity to push the ball downfield and especially to do that in the first half, where you can force the Colts to kind of put that in their pocket and make adjustments to you rather than you having to make adjustments to them. Uh, Sammy Watkins is a guy that I want us to use in a couple different ways uh, that we haven't been able to use a wide receiver for the last 10, 12, 14 years. You know, wouldn't it be really nice to have, you know, Sammy Watkins put the fear of God into that secondary or somebody? You kind of to need you to. Have to this have the be And, 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 and I, I, it doesn't even have to it, be anybody. Put some put some fear into the secondary, make them back up, and then we actually see Todd, Gary, Todd Gurley run. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> and, and it's one of those things. I get it. We're Rams fans. We haven't had a winning season since 2003. The offense has been horrible for most people, especially younger people. Their entire lives, That's all they can remember. When you deal with low expectations, the idea of having a wide receiver who puts that fear into defense it seems like a big ask. It's not. Half the teams in the NFL got somebody who can do that. We exactly. just have We've just been one of those few teams that haven't been able to. It's not a big ask, and it's Sammy Watkins. He's done it in the NFL before, so I want to see him do it for us. Will the Rams curse prevent this? Find out next week <laughs> after game uh. <phase> one. <laughs> uh. We shall see. We shall see. You know what? I will. The, the good thing is, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like no, no. You can. when we in 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 having a guy who had really good success downfield didn't matter if it was contested or not. We didn't do it enough, and that was with Kenny Britt. I know that that's. I think sure. that's still shocking to some people, but Kenny Britt was very very efficient winning downfield. He won a lot of balls. He had downfield. a good year. He had he a good year great, last year. Yeah, he graded out as one of the better receivers in the NFL at it. You know, so yeah, 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 yeah. To, to have that and to not utilize it more, especially when you're watching week in and week out um, how much the box was getting stacked and you're still not pushing it downfield more with the success rate that you're having, you know, it kind of speaks volumes to how poor the offensive approach was. But then again, because of how poor it was, I think that goes back to how much pressure it puts on Sean McVay, as you said, to – to push that ball downfield, attack, to force it. get some yeah. defenses on their heel. You have to because you you're supposed to be a brighter mind than them. And you, if you're seeing that it's working, why would you not keep using it to ease things up up front? So more pressure on Sean McVay because of the sins of Jeff Fisher. And part part of the problem was that the the ultimate sin was that we the game plan was reliant on a power running game. That if you're if you're not going to pass the ball deep you've got to be able to run the ball and pick up first downs on the ground or at least get yourself into third and short situations using your ground attack. And whether it was the offensive line, whether it was Todd Gurley, whether it was the specific play calls and the scheme of the running plays and how they kind of stacked up against each other where, you know, if you run a power stretch right enough, teams start to get comfortable defending that because they know – okay, I can shoot this gap, and at least, even if I don't get to him in the backfield, he's not getting three, four, five yards every time. That's, a, that's, that's how you defend the run. The problem was that once teams started defending the run, which they did early in the season last year as opposed to two years ago with Todd Gurley, was that now you had nothing. If you can, Now you're looking at third and seven, and you're throwing the ball four yards, five yards to Kenny Britt, asking him to get yard Tavon on Austin, trying to get yards after the catch but all the defenders are in that zone of 4 to 12 yards. There's nowhere to go because nobody's worried about you throwing it more than 12 yards over their head. And so as, much as, I, as, as, much, as important as it was last year, the main reason I'm looking at Gerald Everett and Sammy Watkins is Sean McVay has two weapons that Jeff Fisher didn't have. He's got to use them. He's got to use them to get the ball downfield. And even if the offensive line isn't one of the better offensive lines in run blocking, the one thing that you should be able to do is put some pressure on safeties and linebackers to take a step back. Yeah, it would it would be completely inexplainable to do anything less than that. Um, so, with that being said, here's a question for you: What pressure is on this defense? You know, you finished last season as a top ten defense. Um, somehow, some way they. Well, but, by some measure, <laughs> so hold on. I would yeah, yeah, that's why that's somehow, some way. <laughs> You know, finished it off. I sure. think they were 15 in scoring. I think um, 23. 23 in, in points allowed. 10. And then uh, what was the top 10 in uh, yards? Yards. Yep. And some other which, and some metrics graded them which, really well. I know Football Outsiders DVOA had them the 15th best overall defense. If you want a, a metric for best to, to rate defenses overall, which it kind of. You know, you kind of have to take into account what was the turnover situation like. You know, if the offense is in putting, the, the in the is offense, putting yeah. them, you know, if the ball, if the ball is if they the defense is coming on the field with 30 yards to go to the end zone. You know, they're exactly. likely going to, at exactly. the very least, get a field goal. You know, so those things all play a role. So, did the defense play well? Yeah, they were forced to be on the field way too much, way too many three and outs on offense, but. So you, you, you have you had a pretty decent defense to begin with, you know, is the point that I'm making. Then you bring in a uh Greg Williams, good defensive coordinator. The best? No. Do you bring in a guy who might be the best currently in the NFL. Could be certainly one of the best to ever do it. You know, you bring in Wade Phillips, who has a reputation of every place he's ever been, year one, they are a top ten legit across the board defense. What are your expectations for this defense? Like, are we expecting them to come about especially in a game without Andrew Luck and a very old right. Frank Gore? Although I've said before, Frank Gore has been the Rams' kryptonite for a long time. You hate him, you know. You have a you know have you know no do. Andrew Luck and a very old Frank Gore. What are we expecting from them? I'd say two. I'd say two or three things. Number one, I'm the wrong guy to ask because if the because I'm not in a win now mode. I'm comfortable with the Rams taking the long term with Sean McVay becoming a successful coach over the next two to three years and everybody being happy about it and having us in the Super Bowl when we open the new stadium. I'm comfortable with that timeline. If, though, you're a Rams fan that wants them to win this year and you want results in year one under McVay, the only way that's going to happen is with the defense. The, The offense was so bad last year, and you have so much of that personnel still around, there's just no way to get a top offense out of those guys. What you can do is get a salvageable offense, manage Jared Goff's career, turn him into an effective and I felt, I'm talking about this as an optimist take, not what I'm predicting, but turn him into an <laughs> yeah. effective quarterback. And if you can turn out a really, really good defense, you can get a winning roster out of that. You can, get a, you can get a winning record at least next year, if not this year, if you get all that stuff together. So in terms of what pressure is on the defense, it's only the pressure to the, to the degree that it's a win-now situation. We all know that if the Rams go 3-13, and 13, Sean McVay's not getting fired. So I don't, I don't know how – and this is one of those skills you have to have as a head coach – you have to manufacture that kind of pressure. You have, to, you have to get this team believing going into week one that the, that their jobs are on the line, that they've got to they play that way, right? They've got to play to the same level of motivation as they would if it's week 17 and, you know, you're nine and six trying to win your last game to make sure you make the playoffs. You've gotta, if you're not approaching it that way, you're not doing your job as a head coach. So how much pressure is there on the defense? There needs to be. And, and maybe that was really the ultimate sin over the last couple of years was that for a team that needed to win with defense, they were coming out in week one against a poor San Francisco Forty ers team and losing twenty eight to zero. There's just, there's just no way there's no way you can justify that. And so leave uh, leave those how much pressure is there? The I, I don't know, but it depends on how much you really care about winning now. <laughs> you gotta we gotta leave those Forty ers skeletons in the closet. That, that still gives a lot of people chill <laughs> to come it out and lay a goose Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, everything that could go wrong in a game went wrong in a game. <laughs> you had Blaine Gabbard <laughs> absolutely killing the Rams. Aaron Donald gets ejected. <laughs> it's like, come on, I think Todd Gurley was averaging like two yards a carry. It was, it was ugly. That was, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're going to leave that alone. We're hoping for better days. Don't got to be Super Bowl champs this year. But please be right. better than that. <laughs> you just got to be something the, the, halfway decent. The other thing I was going to mention with the defense, and we talked about football outsiders, football outsiders almanac said Rams got a good chance of being in the playoff hunt uh, mainly because they project that defense. I said they were 15th in DVOA overall as a defense last year. They've got Wade Phillips turning this into the second best defense in the NFL. And, whether, whether or not you believe in that, that's up to leaders, listeners, followers, whatever. But if it's going to happen, the, the, one of the clear things is you're going to need your personnel available. The Rams were incredibly healthy last year. If, they're going to, if you're going to put up a second overall defense, you can't lose guys long-term to injury because of how thin this team is at multiple positions. And so when you talk about what kind of pressure is there on the defense in week one, we mentioned the injury report. I, I don't know who's going to be on there. Robert Quinn and Kayvon Webster didn't play in the preseason. Now they said it was, They said a part of it was this maintenance program. Uh, Andrew Whitworth's 35 years old. He wasn't on a maintenance program. Uh, Tremaine Johnson <laughs> I, is on the franchise deck. He wasn't on a maintenance. Connor Barwin's 30 years old. He wasn't further, on a maintenance program. Furthermore, so, I, Kayvon Webster hasn't even played that much in his career. Why are you on a maintenance <laughs> program? <laughs> You're coming so, from the bench to a starter. Like, come on, dude. Get out there. <laughs> So it's one of those things where, if the, if those guys aren't available in week one, then who are you who are you putting pressure on to play that position? Troy Hill, you know, like you're talking about Samson and Buchan, or or Vaughn Pride. I don't know. I don't know. Or Andrew Whitworth's imaginary backup on the depth chart. It's one of those things. If you if you're gonna have pressure for somebody. It, What are you going to say, oh, we've got to win this game, so Troy Hill, you've got to step up big? Nah, man, that's not going to happen. You can't can't be in that position in the first place. So we'll have to see when we get there who's available to put the pressure on. Because if if you've got Robert Quinn, Kayvon Webster, like you said, they brought in Kayvon Webster not to be a depth guy but to play. And so if he's there for week one, he's got to be able to come out and perform. That's the kind of guy that needs it. Robert Quinn missed half of each of the last two seasons. Those are guys that need to have pressure on. But if they're not there, it's one of those things. How much pressure does the defense have? They may be looking at something, not as severe, but somewhat similar to what the Colts are dealing with. Yeah, and that's and that's what um, kind of makes it the makes it interesting because there are certain guys, just like every team, that were brought in for specific reasons. You know, um, those are the guys that's probably going to have the most pressure on them, and that's who I think that's who you kind of have to watch in Game One is. Who's gonna step up to the plate? You know, who's gonna step up to the plate? Who's gonna face the pressure? You know, head on, and who's gonna still perform? I mean, so far, just going off of the preseason, like I that I did not see step up to the plate. Kayvon Webster, you weren't even available. Robert Woods just was Robert Woods. <laughs> Didn't get a ton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just he just he was not. He was by far not the best receiver on the field for the Rams. You know, sure. uh, and, 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 and then you look at. Um, a guy like Andrew Whitworth played extremely well. I was going to say well Andrew Whitworth him. and John Sullivan. The Rams didn't draft any <laughs> offensive linemen, and they touted no. Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan. Exactly, and they they looked extremely well. So you see the difference between guys who just kind of stepped up to the plate and guys who haven't. You know, now again, it's preseason; it didn't count. But I always I always say that just because it doesn't count, and you know, and you never see the full playbook and things like that, don't mean that you can't get anything out of it and you have to kind of take some of it for what it is at face value some of it has to be taken at face value Robert Woods didn't look that good in the preseason you saw a couple of drops you see, didn't, didn't didn't look like he was on the same page with Jared Goff at all on some occasion you know he just it wasn't a huge factor you know then you look at somebody like Cooper Cuff, who comes out there with seven catches for like 75 Ball. yards or whatever it was it's like what come on like come on dude you're supposed to be the bet on this team you how come he has this chemistry down and you don't What's the difference here? You know, what? what is it that he's doing that you're not? So in game one, I'm going to definitely be looking at, like you said, those guys that were brought in, the Kayvon Websters of the world, you know, the Nikhil Roby Coleman, another guy who I thought looked pretty good in the preseason. You know, he was someone who stepped up to the plate. You know, so going to be looking at those guys and see what they got. So moving forward, now that we are, we're set of them, we know our roster, we know guys that we're looking for, what are we expecting as an outcome for this game? I gotta hear from you. Give me your give me a give me a prediction, well, a bold prediction. Look, I, you can look at the line. I opened the odds earlier today. I'm <laughs> going to try to get them up on the site tomorrow. The line opened up. We were three point underdogs at home. At this point, yeah. we're three point favorites. Clearly, the the injuries to the Colts are the dominant story. And like you said, there's no narrative win here. If we win the narrative is going to be that the Colts lost because of injuries, not that the Rams right. won. And if we lose, well, shit, you know what the narrative is then. So <laughs> in, in terms of – there's just no way not to feel like the Rams are going to – or should come out of this without a win. It's almost it's – it's not even about believing it. It's that it's hard to believe the opposite. And as much as – and you talked about moving on from it. We finally get to move on from it with this game – Week one last year, there was no, nobody believed that. Nobody believed that the Rams were going to lose 28 to nothing to the 49ers. We all knew that they were going to be a bad team. If, if you had told 49ers and Rams fans that the 49ers were going 2-14, and 14, everybody would have believed it. The thing we wouldn't have believed is that the 49ers were going to sweep the Rams, right? Um, so sometimes the unbelievable happens. The problem is for Rams fans, when it has happened, more often than not, the unbelievable has been on the uglier side of things. And – I'm, I'm buying on in, in, in McVeigh, and I'm buying on the idea that he's got a capability to, you know, guide guys, especially on offense, but overall to get the best out of them. And over the course of a game, something we haven't seen with the starting roster, something we mentioned on some of our other lost podcasts, this is going to be the first time that we see Sean McVeigh coaching his starters in a second half. Right, Every preseason game, yeah. we got to the third, fourth quarter, and those guys were on the bench. So if if this is a 10-10 game going into the fourth quarter, with without Andrew Luck, you want Jared Goff to go win that game. Even if he's not doing something remarkable to win it, you want him to be the guy who leads the team to go get his first NFL career start in what should be a very winnable game with an offensive-minded head coach and all these new weapons where you've got no excuses to not be able to go to do that. This is the first opportunity to do that, and I think uh, there's just, there's just not a lot of reason right now to not think it's going to happen. You know, if you ask me, uh, just kind of looking at the Colts in general, I would have to say the number one thing that should put a smile on Jared Goff's face is this Colts roster they're not loaded with pass rushers. You're not going to see guys just – you shouldn't see guys just breaking through, getting into the backfield in his face. I honestly expect the, the uh, Jared Goff to have plenty of time to throw, um, unless they're just blitzing crazily. Like They're just sending guys like the Cardinals did last year towards the end of the season against Jared Goff. They were blitzing at an alarming rate. My memory serves me correct. I'm going to have to double-check this. It was like 64% of the plays they blitzed. <laughs> but that's what you do. When you see when you smell blood in the water, you see you got a rookie back there who can't pre-read the blitz. You know, he freaks out when the blitz is there. You attack. You know, and they were attacking like crazy on him. And, you know, so I don't expect that to happen in this game. I don't expect there to be a crazy amount of blitzes. And they're, they don't they don't have the pass rushers to just get there with, you know, with four guys rushing, three guys rushing, you know, even five guys rushing. So I think that Jared Goff should have plenty of time. And that, again, kind of raises his expectations. You know, if you have time, they're not in your face, what are you going to do? Like we said earlier with the the new arrivals stepping up to the plate, Jared Goff, you have to step up to the plate all season. (laughs) You know, you got to show people that you're making the right steps moving forward. Um, In this game, uh, you know, I, I fully expect Jared Goff, especially since you don't have to face Avante Davis. And the the Colts have some of the youngest safeties in the NFL. You know, you're not going to be dropping back playing against some savvy vets back there. You know, they got some pretty young faces back there. So it's almost like the stars are aligning for the Rams to get off on the right foot. And that's why I keep saying if they fail to do that, it's going to be ugly. You know, Jared Goff should have a very decent game. I think he should go out there and throw 400 yards, but he should have a very solid, decent game. I, it'd be a disappointment to see him go out there with 200 yards passing and no touchdowns and an interception. What? No. <laughs> you know, that, that shouldn't be the case at all. You know, so I will definitely be looking to see the, what the new faces are going to do, but I'm also interested in how Jerry Goff is going to handle a, uh, uh, a dumbed-down <laughs> matchup. What do, you guys, what do you got? And even beyond the stats, you talked about the idea of, like, dealing with the blitz. If you're dealing with an overwhelming blitz-heavy defensive scheme, every, and everybody in knows football knows this, the most important thing becomes the coaching staff. There are ways that yes. you can design plays around the blitz. And we've got you an offensive-minded you know head coach. You the number one play ran against the blitz, right? Which is? The screen to the running back. <laughs> if screen gonna, and if short they're slams. Fly, in, you, if they're, if they're going to fly in there to punch your quarterback in the face, you just tell your running back slip out and toss it over their heads It's the number one play ran when a team comes flying in on the blitz. You know, but it's blitz, it, it screams and short slams, you can work it all day. And so yeah. you know, we've got Sean McVay as our head coach, we got Matt LaFleur as an offensive coordinator, we got tons of offensive minded staff with great with great resumes and like I said, I'm buying in on this and I'm especially buying in on it long term. So even if we're facing the blitz, that's not and Jared Goff's is not a rookie anymore. He's had a whole preseason, a whole training camp, a whole off-season program with his head coach to be able to get to a point where that shouldn't be appropriate. If, if he's missing throws, okay, that's a that's a physical trait, right, that that he's right. got to work out. But if he's missing reads, if the play calling isn't appropriate, that's one of those things that it, right now, even though it's a first year for McVay with golf, that's just not acceptable. You've got you've got to be able to put him in a, the reason he was hired was to put him in a position to evaluate – whether or not he's good enough in the right circumstances, not to avoid putting him in the right position. of the right position, man. One of the things, and I mentioned this on our first loss podcast. One of the things that we were benefit that, that we got gifted uh, over this wonderful Labor Day weekend is that even if the Rams are down forty-four to ten at halftime, we can now say it is not over. We saw a football game, albeit at the college level, in which the score was forty-four to ten. And the team with 10 points ended up winning. That, that seems like a gift that we're going to be able to use, especially given that the Rams are not going 16-0 this season. We will be able to use 44-10 to quite often and and it was a UCLA or it was a UCLA which makes it an LA team. <laughs> it's something about LA, man. It's LA football. It was an LA team. <laughs> hope it gives hope. Hope should be high for everyone in LA. Even the Lakers should feel like they should win some games. <laughs> so we we usually talk some college at the end of a terrestrial radio. One of the things you mentioned in the Lost podcast is Oklahoma State. You're a big fan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma State is poised to make a lot of noise this year, uh, and it's because of their offense. I mean, I like their secondary a lot, actually. Um, and in recent years, they've been really pumping out the uh, pass rush, quarterback. Uh, the oh, pass, yeah. pass, quarterback. Too. Too. But the, but they're yeah. but I really like their secondary. I think their secondary is going to be some monsters. But then you look at that offense, and they have fifty nine points. Oof. They have triples. They have a running back, they have a quarterback, and they have a a, a receiver. And the receiver could very well enter the draft as the number one receiver in the draft. It's a legitimate possibility. Mm -hmm. And the quarterback could very well be, like, maybe number three, maybe even number two. He could be one of those guys that's a late riser. I would not be surprised at Mm -hmm. all if Mason Rudolph, is a first round draft pick. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Mm-hmm. So they're they're pretty low, really? and they're a good team. And they brought they've been together for a while because Mason Rudolph could have left last year. James Washington was fully expected to be gone last year. He came back, you know. So the chemistry is there, the talent is there. Fifty they came out the gates firing. I definitely think that Oklahoma State is a team to watch. I also, as I mentioned in the last podcast. I think Auburn is another team to watch because of strictly because of the defense. I think they're going to be a, a, one of the best defenses in college football, no matter what. They got a big game. See, Oklahoma State is going against Gerald Everett's alma mater, South Alabama, on Friday. So Rams fans who got some time on Friday can go ahead and check them out. Uh, that'll be on ESPN2 on, at night. Auburn, though, they got a big one. They play in the national champions. Number 13 Auburn, number three Clemson. That is uh, Saturday night. You also got my lovely alma mater, University of North Texas, against SMU in the Safeway Bowl, going green.
1: The big game, Ooh. though, that everybody's going to be talking about,
0: number five, Oklahoma <laughs> against number two, Ohio State. That's a lot. Yes. That's a lot of NFL talent, man. Yes. That is going to be one. You got JT Barrett and Baker Mayfield. Everyone's going to tune in today. Have you in seen in Oklahoma's <laughs> offensive line? Have you seen yeah. OU's offensive line? <laughs> I see It looks like the old school. Ohio, it looks like the old school Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. Those offensive lines. When the Big Ten has the that biggest, meanest, ugliest offensive lines. Rams fans need to get in a look, and there's no reason not to get it in on Saturday against Ohio State. That Oklahoma offensive line is going to be uh, very appetizing poaching. For the Rams, even if even if Andrew Whitworth gets through this season and we're comfortable with him being our full time left tackle next year, uh, offensive line upgrades, especially given that we've got a first round pick this year, uh, offensive board line time. could be well in the board discussion. The or, oh, that's true. <laughs> <the moment. laughs> things could things could change rapidly. The other big game you talked about: LA football, number fourteen Stanford at number six USC. Southern Cal struggled early in the game. Uh, much like Ohio State did in their game against Indiana to start off the year, but ended up going ahead and getting their win. Things are where they need to be. That'll be 830 East Coast, 530 in Cali. Great game coming up there. There's going to be need to be some uh, channel flipping. You've even got Georgia-Notre and Dame with the new rankings. They're both ranked. Georgia's 15, Notre Dame's 24. Uh, so you got pl- you got plenty of talent going on this weekend, man. Is there one game that jumps out to you, one that you know you're going to watch? You mentioned Auburn, so I'm assuming Auburn-Clemson yeah absolutely i first off, Auburn Clemson last year was uh a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Clemson almost lost that game <laughs> it, was a it was very close? very yeah. very yeah it was very 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 close until the fourth quarter and i and that defense for auburn that that was basically shutting down one of the most electric offenses in college football last year, they're all back. <laughs> They're all back, and that's one of the reasons why I really like that Auburn defense. Definitely gonna be tuning into that. But then, of course, you already mentioned Oklahoma. That game, I think the whole country will be watching. And like you said, there's gonna be so much NFL talent on that field. You know, I, it, it's hard for me when you get those good matchups to just mm-hmm. enjoy the game because I, you know me, always scouting. I'm I'm looking at guys all yeah. over the place. It takes me like four hours to watch those games because I'm rewinding like every play. So yeah. Definitely going to be watching those games. The good thing about the um, the Auburn game is, if you look at their schedule, they got some soft games coming up. And I know we're coming up on time. We can wrap this up. Uh, but after Clemson, they got Mercer, Missouri. No offense to our old St. Louis Rams fans. I know we got plenty of listeners. No offense to Mizzou fans. Uh, Mercer, Missouri, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. So Auburn's not facing a team that's ranked until October 14th. After this one, so they can they can put all their focus, all there's no trap game worries. There's no what about next week? They can go all in on this. Clemson, uh, the as much as the ACC was aligned in years past, and Clemsoning was a thing. ACC might have been the best uh, conference in the country last year, and you look at their schedule. You know who they got next week after this weekend? Lamar Jackson, Heisman winner, Louisville. So <laughs> it's part of being a head coach. You got you got to keep them focused on this week. The, the ACC has been for the last couple of years. They, those look at teams, Clemson. Like, here's a, Louisville can beat anybody. Clemson's Florida got Auburn State, this they're week. They're always going to be good. The Florida State. If Clemson's got Auburn this week, Louisville next week. Two weeks later, they got Virginia Tech, who's eighteen right now. So you got three ranked teams in the first first five weeks, and now the next four weeks. That's uh, they got a different calculus that they're facing than Auburn. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. You ca- you kind of got a bit of the same thing. You know, Oklahoma-Ohio State, we talked about that being a big game, uh, as well as the Stanford-USC game. Oklahoma, they don't have Bedlam until the end of the season. So you're talking about Oklahoma State's coming, you know, months from now. That's, uh, I think, in November. They After this Ohio State game, they got Tulane. They got an unranked Baylor. The program is in disarray. Uh, Iowa State and then, obviously, the Red River shootout in mid-October. So Oklahoma's got some time where they don't have to worry about stuff. Ohio State, similarly, they got, after this one, they got Army, UNLV, Rutgers, Maryland, who upset Texas, unranked Nebraska, and then Penn State. So both of those guys got time. Clemson doesn't get afforded that this year. Uh, and as the national championships, I don't think that's necessarily unfair, but it does change the calculus a bit moving beyond this uh, next week of college football. But for Rams fans, I don't, know, I don't know that we need to be focused on college football too much. We got our own game. Yeah, we need a, we need to worry about our own game. Our game ready to go. We're kicking off. Uh, what is it? One fifteen West Coast time. Four fifteen. Man, that's, that's always crazy to me. The drastic difference in time. Four fifteen East Coast. Yeah, we are. We're gonna be ready to roll. Me personally, I can't wait. I can't wait. It feel like this second set of games. One of the longest off <laughs> like long season. one. It, is one it, of it. the longest. The good thing is that it's the second set of games, so. That the, just like last year Rams playing late Rams don't need to lead anything off They can let uh, the NFL narrative start to build There's going to be no focus on yeah. them You got Kansas City, New England on Thursday You got that whole slate of early games So everybody's watching their red zone Watching their fantasy team for everybody Tailgating out at the Coliseum Things can kind of build and build and build And hopefully we'll be able to enjoy it and get a win out of it man. Exactly Alright well that's going to do it for us uh, You got anything before we get out of here? I need some medicine You boy's hurting something, something hit me today I got to work And about 30 minutes Into work It was like whoa My body just turned on me Where it was like Yeah I got something For you <laughs> Hey that's that old age Starting to kick in It is. Hey, is Watch yourself Watch your mouth Watch your mouth <laughs> okay. Don't make me bring up hey. These teenage rappers That's it man I'm hey. hitting you up tomorrow in With a, all in this In another year You're going to be In another year You're going to start Drinking <laughs> Natty Ice <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the commercial? Did you Did you get a chance to see it? I have not seen it. You know what? I'm probably going to look that up as soon as we finish up here and talk about it next week. We're going to lead off with that commercial. Natty Light so next tantasiom um, the 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 topics that Rams fans always need in their lives. We know what you I'm going to bring up we that know. commercial just to piss you off. Well, <laughs> so that that's going to do us for this week. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at mighty or myson. Make sure you follow Joe at... 3k underscore we had on the one of the episodes that got deleted. He uh, he explained (laughs) to us the underscore has no meaning whatsoever. There's no reason for it to even exist, but it's there. So
1: make sure you make sure you
0: throw it in there. (laughs) You treasure hunters, look deep. You'll find the meaning. It's in there. It's a hidden symbol. Connect the dots. (laughs) There you go. That's gonna be everyone's homework assignment for the next week, and then of course, (laughs) make sure as always you follow the show at times. You know we're looking forward to next week, and when it comes, it's gonna be good. We got games to talk about. We out. Let me know. Hey. And I'm starting this off The Rams get down so nobody's scores And don't you worry cause the Rams are rapping When game time comes, we'll be back to Jackson We can't sing and our dance is not pretty But we'll do our best for the team and the city So get on your feet and clap your hands Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams Hollywood dancing, Dodge City tough If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough I like to ram it. As you can see, nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me nobody nobody dressing Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback. I come from the end looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. Limousine winning. My moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rush from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right, you can ram it all day and ram it all night.